believe. It's in your notes, ladies and gentlemen. Believe that in God's will, we can see and fulfill God's plan. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Fourth of July weekend, tomorrow's the actual fourth. And I believe by a sovereign move of grace, God helped man, moved through man, even to the establishment of literally the first country that was founded on Jesus, and that is the United States of America. There's people that would argue. There's people that would say, no, no, it wasn't founded. But yet you go back through every bit of the founding father's documents, and you you find scripture laced throughout. And it could very well be that God in his sovereignty, the God who knows the end from the beginning, the God who Isaiah tells us created the end and then the beginning, established a country that would be so favorable to the nation of Israel. You say, well, pastor, it's not very, very favorable today. That's right. The Bible also talks about that talks about the nations of the world turning their back on Israel and coming against Israel. So in 1776, a declaration of independence, as I shared earlier, in my mind, it wasn't so much independence as it was dependence. Because even when you had people like Abraham Lincoln, even when you had people like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and so many others throughout their documentation said, we understand we must be dependent upon God if we're going to be victorious. And that's what this nation was birthed on. But I go back and not to spend today looking at the 4th of July, not looking at independence, not looking. I want to look at your life and mine because that same sovereignty that I believe moved to the creation of this nation moved for your life to become everything that God called it to be. 
And so I want you to take that pencil out because I'm going to show you something in Scripture that shows that God's Word is not happenstance. It's not by chance. It's not, uh, you know, just something that uh, is, is, is happening or, or coming together uh, coincidentally. Everybody had a pencil? Say amen. Well, those of you that do that. Okay. The shortest chapter in the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 21, the shortest chapter in the Bible is the 117th Psalm. Write that down. Actually, Revelation 22. I said 21. I corrected myself. It ends at verse 21, but Revelation 22. Well, I know I'm, uh, I'm talking about from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Psalm 117 is the shortest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. I'm talking about from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. When you systematically go through and count chapter by chapter by chapter, the 117th Psalm is the shortest chapter. 119th Psalm is the longest chapter. And I think it's interesting that it's all about worship. I get preachers mad at me all the time because I tell them, I say, guys, God moving is not about your sermon. It's about God's presence. God said he performs his word, but he inhabits our praises. Okay, and God's going to perform his word no matter who preaches it. And we find that throughout Scripture. You know, Paul even said, he said, he said it, it doesn't matter. The word of God is getting preached. But he inhabits the praises. So I think it's interesting that this little, this little thing that I'm going to show you is all about worship. Do you know the middle chapter of the Bible is the 118th Psalm? From Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21, the middle chapter, the center of the Bible is the 118th Psalm. Now, it's interesting. There are 594 chapters before Psalm 118 and 594 chapters after Psalm 119 or 18. Coincidence? Hmm. You add these numbers together and you get 1,188. You know the very center passage of the Bible is Psalm 118, verse 8. 1,188 chapters in the Bible, and it just happens to be that Psalm 118, 8 is the very center verse of the Bible. Now, without you looking, how many would think that possibly this verse might have some significance for your life? It does. It has incredible significance. But it has significance on this series that I'm going to end today on Believing is Seeing. And if you look in your notes, the title of today's sermon is God Wants Us to See All That We've Believed. He really do. He really do. <laughs> he, he really does. 
My English does get better, doesn't it, John? Well, kind of, sort of, maybe, yeah. Okay. The 118th chapter of Psalms and the 8th verse. So before I get to it, let me share with you, the next time someone says they'd like to find the perfect will of God for their lives and they want to be in the center of God's will and the center of God's plan, just take them right to the center of God's word. The 118th Psalm and the 8th verse says it is better to put your trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. Too many Christians put their confidence someplace else. They put their confidence in a pulpit and the person standing behind it. They put their confidence in a church. Now, don't get me wrong. We need to be able to trust the pastor. We need to be able to trust the church that we go to. If we're not, why are we going? Because most of us are not looking for the church God wants us to be. We want to be in the church we want to be in. Because generally the church God wants us to be in, God is going to be challenging. God is going to be correcting. God's going to be shaping and molding and building. Because that's what God does. People have said, God loves me just the way I am. I agree. He just loves us too much to leave us that way. Never had Chris. Good to see you. He loves us too much to leave us. It is better, the 118th Psalm, the 8th verse. 594 chapters before, 594 chapters after, the 118th Psalm, and you add those together, you get 1118 uh, 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 verses, or 1188 verses, and the very center verse is Psalm 118, verse 8. Do you think this is coincidence? Do you think it is odd? Or do you think that maybe God was the center of it all? On the screen, God has a plan for each of us. Let me say it again. God has a plan for each of us. And it is God's will that we begin to see God's plan fulfilled. It is God's plan that we succeed and advance in this life. Yet the fact is, every single one in this room experience struggles. In the hundred, in the, uh, excuse me, Psalm chapter one, verse three, the Bible says those that have dedicated themselves to God, those that have made Christ the center of their life, look what it says, they will be like trees planted along the riverbank, each one of them bearing fruit in their season. You know what happens when a tree bears fruit in its season? It's usually a successful fruit. It is usually a full fruit. And look what it says here. Their leaves do not wither, And all they do will prosper. Let me take you to Joshua. And I want you to look at me. Take your eyes off the notes. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to break down a couple passages of Scripture 
that if you will get a hold of them, your entire life will change. And you will begin to be able to live a victorious Christian life, know God's will, and fulfill God's plan. If you will pay attention. God was talking to Joshua here in the first chapter. Now, guess what? The first chapter of Joshua, chapter, or first verse of Joshua chapter 1, God is encouraging Joshua. And he's saying, Joshua, you're on your own. Moses is dead. Pretty cool. He's been following Moses all these years. And the first words of encouragement after Moses is gone, Mo- Josh, get up, put your boots on. Moses is dead. It's time to move. You'd think there'd be some consoling, wouldn't you? Oh, I know, I know. Come on, guys. See, that's what we like in church. Pastor Philemon, I like when Pastor Philemon preaches because he consoles. Pastor Tim, when you get up there, man, I'm not sure which way we're going. Not really. But the truth is, we think, man, it'd be nice to console some more. But God just told Joshua, said, Josh, Moses is dead. You got four million people waiting on your directions. And so he goes down here a few verses, and you will find this repeated over and over and over again in Joshua chapter 1. Look what's the first words. Say them with me. Be strong and very courageous. Do you think God is trying to get Joshua's attention? It's not going to be a cake ride. It's not going to be. See, God does not promise us smooth sailing, just a safe landing. Are you with me? And he said, Joshua, be strong. Now, now understand, this is God beginning his nation. This is God beginning uh, Israel and getting it all going and saying, okay, I'm preparing to take you across the Jordan. I'm preparing to take you into great, great plenty and great harvest and great blessing. But he said, you got to be strong and very courageous. Can I tell you one of the, the maladies of the church today? Everybody's preaching on grace. But they're not preaching on the grace the Bible preaches. They're preaching on a grace that says everything you want. Just, just believe and it'll happen. Well, pastor, aren't that what you preach? Aren't that? Well, my English is good today. Isn't that what you're preaching today? I'm talking about believing. But the word believing, as we've talked about in this church, if you look into the original language, it's not a passive word, it's an active word. To believe means to trust in, cling to, and rely upon. It's very active. In other words, there's our part and God's part. And I've shared with our church many, many, many times. God did two things first in all of of history. And those two things start with a C. And if you've been in our church any length of time, what were they? Creation and Calvary. Everything else God has done has been in response to you and I. Do you know why the children of Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness? Not because they had to, but because they chose to. You might say, well, who in the heck would want to spend 40 years in the desert? People that won't obey. So God's telling Josh, he said, Josh, I got victory planned. I got success planned. I got overcoming planned. 
I've got dominion planned, but you got to do something. You got to realize it isn't going to be handed to you on a silver platter. Because the enemy is still the God of this world. And it will be that way until Jesus returns. Is everybody okay with that? That's what the Bible teaches. Adam and Eve gave him the dominion to the earth. And when Jesus walked the earth, just so I can clarify, so you said now, what, 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 what? When, when Jesus walked the earth and he spent 40 years in the wilderness and Satan said, you know, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Did you notice Jesus never argued with them on that? He could have said, it's not yours, it's my dad's. But it actually was. Because Adam and Eve gave it to him. This is why we deal with struggles. This is why we deal with fights. This is why we deal with the the oppression that the world has. So let's go on here. He says, be strong and very courageous. And what's the next four words? Read it with me. Be careful to... That last word got really soft. Be careful to... Be careful to obey everything that I gave my servant Moses to give to you and do not turn away from it. Look what he said. He said, if you will be strong and courageous and obedient, what's the next line say? You will be successful wherever you go. Can I tell you something? The biggest problem that we have with fulfilling God's plan is not God, it's us. It's not the devil, it's us. Because we have an issue with that obedience thing. We like to do things our way. I'm going to talk to Victor over here. Am I correct? Yeah. We, we like to do. Danny, you like to do things your way? Oh, no. <clears throat> I want to back up. I'm waiting for lightning to fall here. We like it our way. My favorite hamburger almost is, big, is uh, Burger King. You know what they say at Burger King? Have it your way. I like a Burger King burger. That char flavored. Until it gets too charred, then it's not so good. But look what he says here. He said, if you will be strong and courageous and obedient, then you will be successful wherever you go. And then he goes back and reiterates it. He said, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it. That's our second problem. I told you I was going to break things down today, didn't I? The first problem is we have a problem with this obedience thing. The second problem, we have a problem with this book. It sits on our shelf until we come to church. dust off of it. Did you open it and the spiders come crawling out? Not Pastor Ray. I know. I know better than that. But think about it. He says, be strong, courageous, obey. And then, I'm trying to, Hensley. I'm trying to. And then he says, meditate on this. I have people ask me all the time, Pastor, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I don't know. What do you do? 
And then I give them a novel idea. Let's see what God's word says about it. Folks, my word is worthless. God's word is life-changing. When my word is based on God's word, you're doing good. That's why I tell you, folks, bring your Bible. Okay, look what it says here. Be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. A pastor, you don't understand. I've had some, I've had difficulties. Yeah, and maybe while you're sitting here, you're looking at it and say, maybe some of those difficulties wasn't God, wasn't the devil, wasn't my brother, my sister, wasn't my wife. Man, I got two women that said amen in that whole time. That it might have just been that guy or gal in the mirror. Can I tell you something? When you have a setback, it's then you should step back and prepare for your comeback. Can somebody say amen? But too many times, because we have these issues, most give in, give up, give out, and they never jump back. But how did the men and women of God face and overcome real life circumstances? That's what we're going to talk about. This is on the screen. How did men and women of God face and overcome real life circumstances? You know how they did it? They continually reminded themselves. Say it again. They continually reminded themselves. Say it again. They continually reminded themselves. They reassured themselves of God's faithfulness. Over and over, David, the Bible says, encouraged himself in God. He reminded himself of what God had already done. You see, today, God wants us to see all we believe. So let's jump into Lamentations. I'm going to break this passage down. I, you hear me quote this passage all the time, but I'm going to break it down for us today. Uh, Jeremiah was, was called the leaping... The leaping. <laughs> The weeping prophet. (laughs) This is going to be one of those days, church. This is going to be one of those days. He is called the weeping prophet. That's what the book Lamentations, it means to weep, to lament, means to mourn. And he was called the weeping prophet because Jeremiah was the guy going through and always telling the people, you need to get your hearts right with God. Pastor, that's not what, oh, the fancy word that he used was repent. That's the word the church doesn't use much anymore. He said, you need to repent. And so Joshua, or Jeremiah, was always dealing with issues and difficulties. But look what Jeremiah did. He's, he's reading, and when you read Lamentations, uh, the first three verses, man, he is in major whining mode. You asked him if he brought some, some, some wine with, the, with that cheese and crackers. He was in perpetual whining mode. But then something clicked in Lamentations 3. Something clicked in his mind. And he said these words. Look what it says. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. This I recall. Look at me. There are things that I, as a pastor, have to do every day in my life when I'm struggling. I have to remember where I came from. 
You see, if I ever forget where I've been, I'll never get where I'm going. Bottom line. Not because I'm trying to remember where I've been, but because I remember the Bible says the pit that God brought me out of. That's why I say never forget where you've been. Because if you do that, then you'll never get lifted up in where you are. You'll always remember who got you there. Can you say amen? And Jeremiah is saying, I recall this to mind, and because of this, I have hope. And look what he says here. It is through the Lord's mercies that I am not consumed. His compassions, they fail not. Every morning, they are brand new. Why? Because his faithfulness is great. Okay, look at me. I don't care where you are. You have to let go. Oh, remember where you've been, but let go of it. Because the past has a horrible time of replicating itself in the future if you don't deal with it in the present. Okay? God knows where you've been. God knows where you're at. But he says, except you be strong and courageous, obey and remember everything I've done. I cannot make you victorious. Are you with me today? It is good. It goes on to say, for the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait on the Lord. Number one in your notes and quickly, we have to actually believe that we'll see God's plan because we really believe it's God's will. We really believe this. You see, struggles, ladies and gentlemen, are part of everyone's life. The question is not if you struggle. The question is always, what do I do when I struggle? When we see past problems, folks, they're real. But we always got to remember the present promise. Next week, I'm going to start a brand new series. And the title of the series is going to be, When Life Crumbles In, What Then? How many have some little crumbling in their life? What are you doing about it? What do you do when life crumbles in? Because I don't know about you, I've, I, I was growing up and, and, and mom told me I'd have days like this. She just didn't tell me they'd come in monthly allotments. Life crumbles in. What do I do about it? It's going to be a great series. I, I, can't, I can't wait to be there. It's going to be, it's going to be good. Jeremiah knew life's struggles. Why? Because he continually dealt with the problems of people. He dealt with their acceptance. He dealt with their attitudes. Yet listen to Jeremiah, this same weeping prophet, as you read through Jeremiah chapter uh, 29, or the whole chapter, you find uh, 20, verses 20, or chapter 26 through 29, Israel is messed up. They're not obeying. They're not reading. They're not applying. And because of that, they are in 70 years of captivity called the Babylonian captivity. We remember that because we remember the book of Daniel. It was during that time that Jeremiah is writing about. 
And they're in all these struggles. But God wanted to remind them. He said, guys, the same God that brought you out of Egypt, the same God that caused the victories, the same God that caused the deliverance is the same God that's going to do this. Look at chapter 11. He said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. You know what God is doing? He's reminding them that he hasn't changed his mind. He said, my plans have always been to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future and expected end. You see, God was trying to encourage these, these people who are in captivity, in bondage, saying, guys, I haven't changed my mind. If you will just be obedient and you will apply and you will do what I have said, I will keep my promise. Can somebody say amen? amen. Jeremiah did many, many things. He went through many, many struggles. But he said those words in the 21st verse. I recall to mind that I am in this. I have hope. You know what the first thing God is telling us to do today is to believe that you will see what God has promised. He had to encourage the children of Israel. Believe. So this morning, if you're going through struggles, you're wondering where the heck God is. If God hasn't gone anyplace, God says it's time for you and I to re focus. When you refocus, it does a host of different things. It brings you back to understanding who God is, what God's done, and what God wants to yet do. He gets our focus off of what might have been, and it returns it back to what yet can be. I read a poem one time, and I thought it pertinent to add to this sermon today. The poem was for pessimistic Christians And the poem was titled, It Can't Be Done. Let me read it to you. The ones who miss all the fun are those who say it can't be done. In solemn pride they stand aloof and greet each venture with much reproof. If they had power, they'd efface the very history of the human race. We'd have no radio, motor cars, no street now lit by electric stars. No telegraph, no telephone. We'd linger still in the age of stone. The world would sleep if things were run by those who said it can't be done. Ladies and gentlemen, if this is not the epitaph of Christians today, I don't know what is. Because we think, I've talked to people. I've talked to Christians to say, well, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. That happened back then. Well, that doesn't, miracles aren't for, that was back then. You know, talking about spiritual gifts and tongues and, 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 and uh, all the moving of the Spirit of God. Well, that was for then. And that, you know, it's not for now. And I, I was sitting down talking to this guy. Uh, one, you know, one of multitudes who have said over the years. And I said, can you tell me or answer this simple question for me? Two questions, actually. Which book of the Bible was never finished? Don't say it out loud if you know it, because in this church you do. Which book of the Bible was not finished? It was the same book of the Bible that talks about all the miracles. Talks about the supernatural movings of God. The same book of the Bible that you and I are still writing today. It's called the book of Acts. Read the ending of it. It just stops. Every book of the Bible has an end. 
book of Acts has none. You know why? We're still living it. We're still writing it. We're still doing it. But yet too many Christians get caught in what hasn't that they fail to see what still can be. You see, when we face struggles, we have to remind ourselves it is God that has brought us out. It is God that has lifted us up. And it is God that delivered us from. He did it before. And can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, he can and he will do it again. Jeremiah said, I remind myself of this and I have hope. And then he starts listing it. Look at this, 22. says, because of his compassions and his mercy, I am not consumed. You know what Jeremiah is saying? He said, I know because of God's mercy and compassion, I will get where I'm going. He is still the same God that can do all things through Christ Jesus. He is the same God that says, you believe even though you don't see the great works that I have promised. He speaks those things that are not as though they are. Look at the 22nd verse, the second part. What's it say about the Lord? What's it say? Read it out. He is my portion. Aren't you glad it doesn't say your pastor is your portion? Your church is your portion? You see, the Bible says that he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God that supplies. He is the portion of everything I need. And God will take care of me first if we put him first. Can I ask you, what is wrong with taking God at his word? What is wrong? Well, you know, so, does not your Bible say we can do all things through him who strengthens us? Does not your Bible say if God is for me, who can be against me? Doesn't the 118th Psalm and the 8th verse say it is better to trust in God to put, than to put your confidence in man? Secondly and quickly, believe God's will is being done and begin to see God's plan unfold for your life. Here's a difficulty that we have in the church of Jesus Christ is we're waiting on everybody else to do something everybody's supposed to do. We're waiting. You know, we look at the, at the building fund. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I know we're going to get that till I haven't given anything towards it. Well, somebody else will. Let me share a cute little story. Story of four people. The names of the people were everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. If you've listened to the radio, you've heard me share this story. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Well, somebody got angry as it was everybody's job. Well, everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. 
it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could. Some of you looking at me like you just didn't understand my story. I thought I wrote it down just perfectly. Difficulties are a part of life. Difficulties are a part of life. But God wants us to understand we've got to learn to trust him to see the big picture. Whenever I deal with anything in, in, in church, anything in ministry, one of, the, one of the greatest frustrations that I have as a pastor is I ask questions. And I, you know, I want to know what's going on. I want to know how things are going on. I want to know who, you know. I ask questions. I want to know what's going on with people. And I've had people get offended because I ask questions. Well, how do you learn? If I want to know what's going on in Jack's life, I can either pray, which I do. I can either go to a fortune teller, which I don't. Man, would a fortune teller really know? Oh, yeah, demons know exactly what's going on in life. You tell them, fortune tellers are demons? They're demon spirits. Yes, they are. Or I could do the logical thing. Hey, Jack, what's happening? And then if he feels motivated to tell me, he'll tell me. If he doesn't, he won't. But I still care enough to ask. I still care enough to find out what. So I do the same thing before God. God, I want to know what you want. So I ask God. I lay before God. I say, God, what do you got going on? Let's look at, look, look, look at Jeremiah again. Verse 22. He said, every morning your faithfulness is new and great. You see, every day of my life, I believe to see a walk of faith. Because I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to do what God said to do every single day. And that's put him first in all my ways. And then he will direct my path. Can I tell you the response to faith in God's word is very simple. Everything's all right. How are things, pastor? Everything's good. Well, but pastor, I know you're going through some struggles. Well, you didn't ask me about my struggles. You asked me how everything was. I, I share a story with you out of the Bible. We find it in 1 Kings. It's about the Shunammite woman. And the Shunammite woman, I'll give you the overview of it. It's actually 2 Kings chapter 4. Elijah was a great man of God, and he would go through this village all the time. And a well-to-do couple decided to offer him hospitality. They would feed him every time he came to town. But they would realize that he would spend some time there in town and he would go to this place and that place. So the husband and wife got together one day and said, what can we do to bless the Lord as much as the Lord has blessed us? So they added a room to their house for Elisha to stay every time he came to town. Elisha was so appreciative that he talked to his servant Gehazi and said, go find out what the woman needs. Elisha or Gehazi came back and said, the woman is barren. And her husband is old, and they would love children. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he spoke to the woman and said, this time next year, you'll have a son in your arms. 
God fulfilled the miracle. Time went on and life went on and the father and the child are working out in the field. All of a sudden, the child becomes ill and dies. Elisha doesn't know anything about it. Gehazi doesn't know anything about it. God hasn't revealed it to them. But listen to the faith of the woman. Even though everything fell apart, life crumbled in, she wasn't going to give in to what was. She was believing what yet could be. I want you to grab that. She wasn't believing what was. She was believing what yet can be. Do you know why? She reminded herself of God's word. She was obedient to God. And she said, I'm going to stand strong and courageous in God. Can somebody hear what I'm saying today? And this is what the word of God is saying. So all of a sudden the woman runs to Elisha. And instead of weeping and crying at the, at the maladies of life and, oh, poor, pitiful me and, oh, whoa, she didn't show up with panic or fear. She came to Elisha and she stood there and Elisha asked her, is everything all right? Now think about it. The woman's got a dead child, an old husband. Life seems to be falling apart. And the Shunammite woman said, all is well. Well, pastor, she just wasn't being honest. Oh, yes, she was. She was being honest in the faith of the God that she knew. She said, I know because God didn't give me this to take it away. Look at me, look at me. You're going through financial struggles You've got to start looking in the mirror because it's not the devil. God calls us to be good stewards. Now, I'm going to step on some toes. One of the biggest financial problems the church has is its people will not even tithe. How do you put God first if you won't obey what God said? Pastor Tim didn't talk about tithing. God did. Matter of fact, there's some preachers get pretty adamant. They said, if you're not a tither, you're a thief. And the Bible says no thief's going to heaven. So that means if you're not, going to, if you're not tithing, you're not going to go to heaven. Oh, I can feel the backlash coming right now. Oh, I'm just telling you what God's word says. Well, pastor, I, I, I give. That's not what God said. One of our biggest problems as Christians is we're not just simply obeying God's word. Oh, pastor, what do I, I mean, you don't understand. That's why God told Joshua, be strong and very courageous and obey. And just, the whole thing just close up. How many would prefer me preach God's word than, than preach uh, something that everybody's going to be happy with? See, the woman knew, I'm doing right before God. I don't know what's going on here, but I know this isn't God. And I know the devil can't steal. So listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. She stood up and said, everything is well. The spirit of the Lord rose up in Elisha. He went back, laid hands on the boy. The boy was completely healed, restored. See, this woman did not panic. 
She knew there was something more than the circumstances going on. Listen to me. It's on the screen. Faith looks at situations through God's eyes, not the limited understanding of our eyes. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. What is faith? Is a confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is a certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. Let's go back to Lamentations quickly tonight, today. Therefore, I hope the 25th and 26th verse. Therefore, I hope. That word hope is betterly, better translated. Therefore, I expect in the Lord, the Lord to do good to those that wait on him. It's good that we should expect or hope and wait for the salvation of the Lord that we should expect the victory that he has promised, that we should expect the overcoming that God has established. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look at this. No test, no temptation that comes your way is beyond course of what other people have had to face. All you need to remember, all you need to remember, all you need to remember. Is anybody going through a struggle today? All you need to remember. Has anybody lost everything? All you need to remember. Has anyone faced things? They sit back and say, God, where are you? All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He will always be there to help you get through it. Let me, let me wrap this up this morning. How many give me five more minutes? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 30. I got plenty of time, praise the Lord. Believe. It's in your notes, ladies and gentlemen. Believe that in God's will, we can see and fulfill God's plan. Number one, believe God to fulfill what he designed. Ephesians says it, Corinthians says it, from out, throughout the word of God, it tells us that you and I are to walk in the path that he set before us. He set before us. The difference in that path it's a stepping stone or a stumbling block. And the only difference that I can find between a stepping stone and a stumbling block is the one who's walking. The second thing is believe that we have to look ahead, not behind. See, God told Joshua, Moses is dead. Everything he's done is done. It's not about him. He said, Josh, it's always been about me. Are you with me? Your life, my life, it's not about us. It's about God. He said, Josh, Moses is dead. It's time for you to be strong and courageous. Just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with like you. I'm going to be with you. But you've got to be strong, courageous. You've got to obey. And you've got to keep yourself focused in my word. You see, ladies and gentlemen, so much rides on the attitude exhibited and maintained during our times of struggle. 
This is what faith is all about. You see, it's in your screen. <coughs> a life of faith is what God's called us to live. And this is how I define a life of faith. A life of faith is one that is already determined before the difficult times come that it's going to remain unmovable. It's going to remain steadfast. A life of faith will always remain steadfast. Our faith-filled life believes this time must focus on the next time, always gleaning from the last time. favorite quote of Charles Spurgeon that I share is on the screen, that God is too good to be unkind. He is too wise to be unjust. And whenever I cannot trace God's hand, whenever my life is going some way that I just can't figure it out, whenever I can't trace God's hand, you know what I can do? I can trust God's heart. And I know God's not going to let his child go through anything he is unable to bear up under. You see, we have to believe that God will finish what he started. Then, and only then, will we be able to see what we've always believed. As the worship team comes, I have in your notes there, you can read it later yourself, a little thing that I found called whatever the issue, just know God, that God is. God is. Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm reading out of Eugene Peterson's message translation, and I left it in your notes. I want you to look at this. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who has both begun and finished the race that you're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. He never lost sight of where he was headed. The exhilaration, exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Why? Because he never took his eyes off of where he was going. That's why he could face the cross. That's why he could deal with the shame. That's why he could go with whatever. Because he knew one day I'm going to be in a place of honor and glory right alongside my father. Ladies and gentlemen, one day we're going to be home. One day, there's a smooth landing promised. Or a safe landing. He just said it's not going to be smooth sailing on the way. The shortest distance between a problem and a solution is a distance between your knees and the floor. Every time I face anything, I lift up my eyes so I can face my God. That is the only way I will see the victory that I've believed for. And can I tell you something? I see the victory all the time. I see the victory in many faces sitting out here today. But that is how I do it. Folks, I face struggles. I go through all kinds of junk. But the minute I see a problem... I lift my eyes to remember the promise. And that's what God wants you to do. That's what Jesus did. He kept his eyes on the goal. That's what Paul did. He kept his eyes on the goal. That's what God told Joshua at the beginning of the session. 
in this whole series, you will never see if you don't believe. And even if you believe, if you got wrong motives, you still won't see. But if you believe that you really will be able to see, you got to start believing today and lifting those eyes. Say, God, you made a way then, you will make a way now that this too will pass. I will make it and I will accomplish what God has called me to do. Do you believe that? God wants us to see what we believe. He really does. He really does. I pray this has been an, a good series for you. I pray that if you have missed any of it, you go to our website, vlccaz.org. Every one of these series, these lessons are on our podcast. You can download them for free. You can download my notes for free. So if you've got family or friend and you say, man, they need that sermon, go out there. Lead them out there. Let them go look. We have thousands of people around the world on our website every week. So go out and look at it and listen to it again. Study it through because God wants you to be victorious. But he said you've got to be strong and courageous. You've got to obey. It's God's way, folks. And we've got to do it God's way. Well, how do I know God's way? We've got to get into God's Word. Not just on Sunday mornings. Got to get into God's Word. Amen? Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for your Word. We thank you, Lord, for your promise. God, help us to see what we believe. Father, in Jesus' name, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, let me just ask quickly before we change the order of this service, is your heart right with God? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? The last thing I'd ever want anybody to do is walk out here, walk out of here without the opportunity of knowing Jesus. Do you not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Because the truth is, is that's the only way we'll ever see what we say we believed is by a dedicated life to Christ. You're here, you're, you don't know the Lord, or maybe you knew the Lord at one time, and today you've walked a distance. You've turned away, and you say, Pastor, I want to come home. I want if you lift your hand up quickly. I want to pray for you. Lift it up, put it right back down all over this building. I see this hand in the front. Somebody else. Be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. Yes, I see that hand in the back. Be honest. You can put it down. Be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, going to church isn't going to get you to heaven no more than sitting in the garage is going to turn you into a Cadillac. you got to make a decision what you're going to do with your life. You got to make a decision what you're going to do with your life. If you haven't raised your hand, you say, Pastor, I want to get my heart right with God. And you haven't raised your hand, I want you to raise your hand up quickly. Put it right back down. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Yes, I see those hands. I wonder if you do something just like Joshua. The Bible says, Be courageous and strong. Be strong and courageous. I wonder if you take a step out of your chair and come find a place at this altar that we could pray with you. Would you? Step out of your chair quickly and come down to this altar that we could pray with you. I need some of our altar workers to come, some of our gentlemen to come. The truth is today, folks, without Jesus, we can't do anything. Without Jesus, 
we can't do anything. Today is the day. Today is the day. Would you come quickly? Your heart's not right with God. Would you come? I need some of our altar workers to come. Bless you, my friend. Bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord. As people at their altars praying, I wonder if heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I am going to challenge your heart. Are you being obedient? You say, Pastor, it's hard. I agree. That's why the Bible says be strong and courageous. It's hard to put God first. It's hard in every situation to say, God, I'm going to do what you said. I don't care what I feel like. I don't care what it seems like. I'm going to trust you. If that's you today, I encourage you. I implore you that you would get your eyes off the promise, or the problem, and lift them up to the promise that God will make a way, but you have to do it his way. Obey him by yielding your life to him and get into his word by learning how to live for him. That's the only thing you can do. That's the only thing you can do. Father, in this house, we thank you, Lord, for people on the altar. We thank you for people praying. We thank you for people that are reaching out to trust. And we thank you, Father, it's not by might, it's not by power. It is by your spirit. God, that you would do what you promised you would do. And God, that's a touch to change, to challenge, to encourage, to lift, to strengthen, that we could have the victory, God, that you have set before us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. As people are still in the altar, I want the rest of us to stand to our feet. Tomorrow, there will be a lot of people having Fourth of July barbecues. There will be a lot of people that are getting together with family and friends. May I encourage you to let them know the freedom that you have in Christ. To let them know the difference that Jesus Christ has made in your life. Let this Independence Day be a day that you declare to everybody, I became free because of Jesus Christ. Let them all know. I go to a gathering of family and stuff, and before everybody starts digging in, I say, hey, everybody, would you mind if I pray? I stop everybody. It's funny when you got somebody with a half-eaten hot dog sticking out of their mouth. They say, sure, go ahead. And I pray. And I pray a prayer of love and blessing, of encouragement, but a prayer of hope that Jesus is the only hope mankind has. So do that. Well, pastors, you don't know my family. Be strong and courageous. You might be the only Jesus they ever see. You might be the only Jesus they ever see. 
Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.